Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist, and I'm joined as ever by my financial planner friend, Joshua Gersler, who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. Hello. Hello. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. Thank you everyone for downloading this latest episode. Uh, we have a review we wanted to read out. It's been left via iTunes, which is just one of the many places you can leave feedback. You can also via Podbean and where you can also download and you can also listen to us on Spotify. But this person sent downloaded on iTunes. What they said, their name is SLG12345. Not sure if that's a male or female. And they said, informative and lighthearted. I enjoyed listening to these nuggets of financial information. Light-hearted manner. I am a bit suspicious that SLG12345 might be my wife. Really? Do you call her a number? That's a bit... Well, her initials are SLG, yeah. and she knows how to count from one to five. So ah. it, could, it could be her. I will check that when I see her later today. Okay. Yeah, well, some people you. have said that it is quite difficult to work out how to leave a review. I have had a few people say, I'd like to leave one, but can't work it out. Could we perhaps put some instructions in the show notes so that they can easily leave us a review i can do that fantastic all right i wanted to start this show with a number four no i'm going to check nine no eleven one two three four no the number is one thousand and sixty five fantastic number thank you do you know what do you know what that is do i know what it is no go on i'd love to know go on that is according to research by insurer royal london the monthly cost of full-time nursery care for a child under the age of two in England. That's £1,065 a month. That doesn't surprise me. Now, you just had twins recently. Well, coming up for two years ago, so not that recently. So they they are under almost under two. They're still under two. Till tomorrow. Ah, happy birthday, twins. Thank Gersler you. the twins. So, that, so for you, that's double. That's 2000 and something. Tell me about it, yeah. 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 Not to mention they're two older... Uh, siblings so it's pricey bring, bring up kids Childcare is expensive having a family is expensive it is it was interesting so royal london kindly sent us a uh, their latest guide to read it's called family financial planning in the bc years bc being before children very interesting read there yeah i had a i had a flick through i've got it in front of me now so just you've got the childcare cost there but they also said um if you add in all the other areas. So they said the basic cost to a couple, I'm quoting here, of raising one child to the age of 18, excluding the cost of childcare, is £75,000 or £4,000 a year. When you add childcare in, that doubles to £8,000 a year. So 8000 a year times 18 years. You do, you're the journalist, you do the maths there. Financial advisor, you do the maths. Eight times 18. Yeah, get your calculator out. Thank you. Let's do this. What's this? Go on. £8,000 times 18 years. Yeah. 
is what? £144,000. So that's sort of the basic cost, according to Royal London, of bringing up a child to age 18. hundred and £44,000. So look, I've got four kids. What's that times four? £576,000. So I've just picked myself up off the floor there. <laughs> so yeah, it's an expensive business having a family. Makes you wonder why people do it. I mean, obviously... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sell it to my wife every day. I'm only joking. No, but yeah, I'm a guess I'm enjoying it. It's just when it's 7.45 in the morning and you're still shouting at them to put their shoes on. I guess it gets a bit... No, but there, there are rewards that are worth more than half a million pounds. Oh, really? You've, had, you've had more than half a million pounds not, back from the kids? <laughs> not yet. Hopefully in the future. Not just financial rewards. There's the um, emotional ones. Yeah, look, you don't, you don't have kids for, to make money. In fact, when I look at my uh, clients, my mix of clients, the wealthier ones tend to be the ones that have never got married or never had kids. Which, which you can imagine from these numbers from Royal London here. Because there's not just the childcare, there's the, in the early days, so the baby years, you've got your cot, your buggy, your pram, your car seat, your nappies, your clothes, your wipes, all that type of thing. Then you've got your childcare, then you've got your school trips, then you've got your after-school clubs. It all, it all, uh, it all stacks up. I think what Royal London try and do is they want people to make a plan. So think about if you are going to have kids... Where's the money going to come from? Are you going to have a decrease in your income when one of you is on maternity leave? Are you going to be working less um, once your children are toddlers? So are you going to be part-time? So there's a lot to, a lot to think about. So there's an interesting uh, piece that they've put out there. There's another small family cost I want to talk about. Sure. It's been an exciting time in the Shoffman household. Yes, what's that? My daughter has lost... Two teeth in the space of a month. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Not just lost them, they fell out. Um, although one did fall out and she did actually lose it. Okay. So that means the tooth fairy has made quite a few visits to our house. That reminds me of a funny story, which okay. um, I'll share, but hopefully my son won't listen to this till he's much older. Right. But he was eating his... Um, as as you, our, our sons, um, our children are in the same class. So he was eating his dinner and uh, his tooth fell out. We think he might have swallowed it. And yep. he got so upset because this was his first tooth. Ah. And he was really excited to put it under his pillow for the tooth fairy. So he saw on the floor what he thought was his tooth, which my uh, wife picked up, which turned out to be a Rice Krispie. <laughs> so we didn't let him uh, see that it was only a Rice Krispie and we put it under his pillow that night. So uh, he thought he'd lost. he thought he had his pillow under his tooth. His tooth under his pillow. <laughs> yes, thank <laughs> you. In fact, it was just a Kellogg's Rice Krispie. So you scammed the tooth fairy. Yeah. Yeah, the tooth fairy fell for it. Yeah, she did. Yeah. When my daughter lost her first tooth, I think she also followed it. Did she swallow Yeah, that also happened to her. And she wrote a letter to the tooth fairy and put it under the pillow to explain that she had lost her tooth and that she had written the letter and she apologised and said, please accept my apologies. It's cute, these letters, cute, though, yeah. isn't it? So we wrote a letter back from a tooth fairy yeah. um, to say, don't worry, I've had a look, your teeth look great, I can see the gap. Here's your here's your pound. Fantastic. But that's created a tradition now where every time she loses a tooth, we have to write a letter. Yeah, we've we've got that going in our yeah. house. It must be something yeah. to do with their class at school. Yeah. My son lost a tooth when we were away. He was staying at my uh, mum's for a few days, and he wrote in a letter to the tooth fairy um, all his thing about losing his tooth. And at the end, it said, "I just wanted to let you know I'm 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 living at grandma's for a few days, so you know where <laughs> to leave me my my pound." Does your tooth fairy have a name? Tooth fairy. Oh, okay. Ours is called Little Wings. Okay. Because, I don't know, we're just creating a bit of character, a bit of mystery. Yours yeah, is just called Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Okay. Or The Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Fine. So how did you decide on a pound? 
Um, we didn't actually. It's two pounds. Okay, it has gone up. This is what I wanted Blimey. to yeah. discuss um, for our penny through your thoughts section. What is an acceptable amount? Okay, um, to give from a two thirty. I've got some research I wanted to share with you. Sure. This is data from Sun Life, yeah. which is an insurer. They've polled some people about the average amount the tooth fairy pays depending okay. on where you live. I remember this, this. They did this about a year and a half ago, didn't they? It did, in yeah. 2017. So it may have increased. But they found the average in London yeah. is £1.88. But across... Per tooth? Yeah. Blimey. Across the UK, £1.50. Yeah. I mean, giving £1.88 seems... I wouldn't want to hold a spare change rattling under my pillow. But what, what do you think is an acceptable amount? So in our house, we had decided, I don't know how, we had to make a quick decision when we were taking the Rice Krispie away, yeah. that the first tooth would be £2. £2. Special, yeah. special. Yeah. Uh, and uh, every other tooth would be £1, which is what we've been doing. Okay. How, how, much? Many, how many teeth do kids have? Oh. must know this because you've read the Sun Life article. It doesn't tell you how many kids, how many teeth kids have. Come on, Sun Life. You need to give us a total. <laughs> give us a total. Let's assume they have 20 teeth. Okay. So that's... That's £21. Yeah. But if you're giving £2 each time... No, no, we just did two for the first two. Okay. But we're giving... Yeah, we're giving £2 each time. Well, you're more generous than me. Yeah. I have to send my kids to live in your house. Yeah. We did have an incident the other night when um, her tooth came out, but we didn't have any change in the house. Ah, awkward. So... What did you do? IOU? I took money out of her piggy bank (gasps) and I gave her her own £2 from a previous... (laughs) <laughs> you paid her with her with her own money yeah do I, you work for the uk government <laughs> i do need to put the money back in and hopefully this podcast will serve as a reminder that i owe her two pounds but yes. also she owes me five hundred and seventy six thousand pounds <laughs> so, yeah so we're calling so, it quits yeah we'll okay. call it quits i think as long as you put the uh the two pounds back yeah then there's no harm done i think the important thing is where she got the nice surprise that she yeah. had her, her coin under her pillow in the morning True. Do you think should the price change with inflation? Because oh, obviously I got a pan when I was little. Did you? A wee boy. I think so. You, I tell you what, I'm mixing with uh, royalty here, the amount you family give. How much did you get? I don't know, 20p, 50p, a slap around the face. We were lucky just to have a bed to sleep in the night. <laughs> so you, should it change as we get older? I think so, yeah. We've spoken about inflation in the past, haven't we? And, and what, uh, what the, it's one of the biggest dangers to, to wealth creation. I think, yeah, it's, it's got to increase over, over time. But yeah, I don't think we got pounds so if you've got a pound then it's probably yeah fair that you give your kids too yeah so then they're gonna to have to give their kids right? well we'll say uh, we'll say it doubles every sort of 30 years so they'll give four four to their their kids it's gonna get pricey so obviously when you're doing family financial planning the tooth theory probably doesn't come into it but no we don't tend to look at the tooth fairy costs no. okay what does come into it so we are clients an annual expenditure questionnaire to fill in which has things like mortgage or rent, uh, council tax, gas, electric, uh, holidays, travel, alcohol, uh, meals out. No, this is a general family family expenses. So we've got to look at every uh, expense that clients have. And then we imply a inflation um, figure to that over their lifetime. Okay. Is there a different approach when you're investing for yourself rather than for your family? Not really. I think the key is the time frame you're looking at. So a lot of our clients um, who have young children want to put money away for them for the future. So maybe for when they're 18 or in their 20s to buy a house, a car, to pay for a wedding. So if you've got 10, 20 years until you need to access the money, then we try and encourage our clients to be a bit more adventurous. 
and take a bit more risk with their money because you've got time to um, ride out any market turbulence. And there is always volatility, um, but you've got time to ride out. If you are putting your money away for five years' time, then you need to be a bit more cautious with it. And how much did you worry about these numbers, such as, I don't know, costing £44,000 to raise a child or whatever? Do, do you need a target amount to save or do you just need to have a plan? I think you're correct. You just need to have a plan. So you should never worry about money because worrying doesn't change the outcome. So we're always trying to instill good behaviours into our clients. But as long as you've got a plan, then you're okay. So we will put in that you may need to pay for childcare or you may need to pay for university fees or private schools, weddings, bar and bar mitzvahs. So so we will put in the, the cost of those. And then we will calculate using our fancy uh, financial planning software how much money you should be putting away to meet those costs and to achieve those goals. Do you ever include kids or I guess young adults as part of a financial plan when you're meeting someone? Do they ever come in with their kids? And- yeah, occasionally they do. And I think the children always find it very interesting to be included in the discussion. And I like it when they come in as well because they get to be included uh, in the conversation and the earlier children start to understand these things the the better their financial education will be what's the youngest person you've had in your office um i had someone in last week who was 10 weeks <laughs> okay with, with, with their parent I'm yeah, yeah it didn't yeah. come in didn't call up and book an appointment <laughs> by themselves do you but, mean do you mean the youngest clients on their own as opposed to coming with their no, parents I, I, no i did i was trying to make a joke okay I well i answered it properly apologies <laughs> for being truthful what are the best type of products? Because you've got things like junior ices and um, there's kids saver accounts. So there's a lot of stuff t- aimed at kids, but at the same time, there's stuff that an adult, a parent can have where they stay in control. So I'll tell you something. You know, I always like to tell the uh, the truth about money. Yeah. The, the products are sort of irrelevant. Okay. The, the the real value is is in having a plan and in the planning. Because as long as you're putting money away, that's the most important thing. So you you might hear someone saying, oh, you must put it in this place, you must put it in this savings account, you must put it in this junior ISA. As long as you are putting money away and being sensible, then you'll be okay. Yes, different things have different advantages and disadvantages, but the key is just doing something. It's always good to do something. Yeah. That was a penny for your thoughts. Let us know if there are any business or social issues you would like us to discuss and dissect. And you can do that via Twitter at InforAPennyPod1 or email me at Mark, M-A-R-C, at CavendishContent.com. We've started using our uh, Twitter a bit more, haven't we? We've been tweeting a bit more. We have. What are we? At InforAPennyPod1. Yes. And what's your Twitter? At Mark Shoffman. Yes. And I'm at Josh Gersler. Feel free to send me a message. So the discussion of um, investing and family finances brings us to something I want to chuck into our tombola of terms for our alien concept section. Okay. But I'm actually going to bypass the tombola. Does that mean I don't get to hear that sound? You don't. But for this episode, I want to discuss the phrase safe haven. Okay. So my understanding of safe haven is limited. Limited? How do you know it's limited? <laughs> no, I just like making fun of you. My understanding of safe haven is it's an investment that holds its value and it's not connected or it's uncorrelated to other things like stock markets or funds so even if the stock market or your funds go down in value this one will hold its value and the reason i want to kind of look at safe havens is because recently the price of gold reached a five-year high and this is often seen as the ultimate safe haven how important are safe havens when investing i don't really believe in safe havens you know yeah sorry to be a bearer of uh 
bad news? It's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I think I don't think there's such thing as a safe haven. Um because everywhere you everything has risk. Some things have more risk than others, but everything has risk. But isn't it better to be in something that isn't linked to everything else that's falling? I, I don't believe in gold as a I'm gonna say good investment. Okay. Because I think when you invest, you should be putting your money somewhere um, where, as well as the potential for growth, you have the potential to earn some sort of income. So, for example, if you put your money in shares, so in the stock market, you have the potential to go up and down, but companies will pay out dividends, so they will share their profits with you. If you put your money in a bank, then the bank will pay you interest. If you buy a property, then the tenants will pay you rental income. So there's always a, an income there. When you buy gold, there's nothing. It's just a metal. But is it not whole, Is it not diversifying your portfolio? Well, it is. Yeah, no, it's definitely doing that. So I'm not going to argue with that point. It, it's a different uh, holding, but there is no natural income. And there is no real way to predict the price of gold so when you buy gold you're banking on someone else paying more for it than you did when you sell it that's the only way you make money is if you can find another idiot who wants to pay more for it than you did traditionally yeah in times of economic uncertainty gold has gone up and we live in uncertain times at the moment so for someone who's a bit risk averse would they not look at it now and think i need to buy in as it's something that holds its value and isn't going to be as volatile as the stock market. No, not if you're a client of mine, because I believe in the long-term long-term investing. So when you buy into shares, bonds, properties, you've got volatility, which is absolutely fine. We, we expect that and we want that. Um, and things go up and down and you have to just ride them out. So there is no need to chop and change your investments under certain economic conditions. Let's look at a graph. Okay. So on a five-year high, yeah. apparently it's on a five-year high. So, I mean, does, does that sound attractive to someone? So why didn't you buy it five years ago? If you had bought it five years ago, you'd be all right. But yeah. I'm guessing now you're buying at the top of the market. Yeah, so it's impossible to time the market. Um, and you've got that lovely old saying, it's not time. it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. You need to invest for the long term. So with these things like gold and uh, I don't know, what else could you buy and sell? Cars, anything like that. It, it's just a speculation. You need to be investing for the long term in assets that have always worked and that generate an income. Do clients ever ask about gold? Not really to invest in it directly because also what you've got to remember about gold is you have to pay to store it. So either these gold bars that you buy, this gold bullion, you've got to put in your safe, in your bedroom. I can see you've got some on the wall in your office here. <laughs> um, or you've got to pay to store it in a vault. So you've got the cost to hold it as well. Um, so clients don't really ask about gold. I've got one, I can only think of one client who specifically wanted to invest in gold and we agreed to invest in a fund that invested in gold and other precious metals. So would you support doing it through a fund? Not really. Um, going back to what you said earlier, I think it's important to have a diversified portfolio. If a client really, really wants to have some, then we will maybe put a small element in. I'm talking really small, but it's not something I would actively promote 
for a client. Because you can get things like exchange traded funds, yeah, and investment funds. That will let you do it, whereas you're not going directly in. Or yeah. I guess you could buy shares in a gold mining company. Yeah. Do you think that's all too risky? But uh, I'm not going to comment whether it's risky or not, but you're being more speculative. So you are picking a specific commodity. That's what gold is. It's a commodity. And saying, I think the price of gold is going to go up. Therefore, I'm going to invest in it. If you invest in a gold mining company, you're saying, I think that company is going to be profitable and grow in price and pay out dividends. So the company thing, if you think that is a good company to invest in, I'd rather you did that than bought gold as a commodity. Should people worry about safety when investing? You know, I say you shouldn't worry about anything, don't I? There's no point worrying because it's not going to change the outcome. Um, So should you worry about safety? What do you mean by safety? Well, when you're talking about safe havens, people, some people may want a safe element in their portfolio. I think it's important to educate people that nothing is safe. So if you think about putting your money in the bank, okay, so you have a risk there that the bank goes out of business. Only the first £85,000 of your money is safe. That's protected by the financial services compensation scheme. Um, you have what's called, when your money's in the bank, you have inflation risk. So you have the risk that inflation is going to be higher than the interest you receive on your account, and therefore you're losing money there. You could put your money in you could put your money in a property. And a lot of people say, oh, nothing as safe as bricks and mortar. Well, there could be a property crash like we had 2008, so the value of that goes down. You might not be able to find a tenant for your property. So there's risk in everything you do. What's important is educating people so that they understand the risks and therefore they can make an informed decision about what they're investing in. So is the phrase safe haven misleading? For me, yes. But that's just the uh, not to have a dig at you as a financial journalist. But I think the press like to sensationalise things and safe haven, put all your money here. It's, it's never that. It's never safe. Is anything safe? I don't want to be sort of scaremongering you and saying, no, you can't know where it's safe to put your money. I, I think you just have to understand the risks of, of different places of putting things. And, and some areas are less risky than others. It's just about understanding the risk. Correct. And that's this episode's alien concept. If there's anything you'd like us to chuck into our tomboder of terms, get in touch. Next time, are you going to actually pick one out or are you going to... I'll pick one out next time. ...game the system again. Gonna, <laughs> I'll pick one unless something major happens. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, maybe if someone suggests something fun, they can get in touch. Mark with a C. No, don't. Mark, M-A-R-C, at canvasishcontent.com or via Twitter at InforAPennyPod1 or leave a comment via iTunes or Podbean. Now, I heard a rumour, correct me if this is true... If it's no, don't correct okay. me if it's true. Yeah. Correct me if it's wrong. Yeah. That in for a penny podcast might be moving to more frequent episodes. Is that is that true? We are considering doing it on a weekly basis, so you can hear us in your ears every week. What a pleasure that would be! It would be a pleasure. We, and so it would be like SLG one two three four five gets it every day. Everyone else can get it every week. Sorry, she gets you in her ear every day. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't stick things in your ears. And that's all we've got time for of this episode. Thank you for downloading and listening. And please remember, anything discussed in this program should not be viewed as financial advice. But if you do need support, contact me or visit the Orchard Practice at www.topfs.co.uk. Do feel free to leave any feedback and post any financial issues you'd like us to cover. But for now, thank you for being in for a penny. <laughs>